Welcome to the Cybersecurity Simplified Podcast, where we take the mystery out of today's top security threats and solutions. You may have heard that cybercrime is surging in the coronaverse, but why? As if a pandemic were not enough, we are being kicked while we're down. Cybercriminals are exploiting our newest weakness, working from home. It's no secret that home networks are not as secure as corporate networks, and bad actors are taking advantage of the fact and using them as a way in. In this episode of Cybersecurity Simplified, we'll talk about the increased risk of remote work and what you can do to minimize it. I'm your co-host, Susanna Song, Director of Communications at Highwire Networks. And I'm Dave Barton, also co-host at Highwire Networks. Yes, you are my lovely co-host. How are you, Dave? I'm good. I'm good. Just uh, ready for this corona thing to be over. If it ever will. Uh, Knock (laughs) on wood, it will be. Yeah. So bad actors really are making the most out of this pandemic by exploiting companies who didn't have either a business continuity plan or just never even imagined their workforce would be now working remote. Just a crazy idea, probably something that no one ever thought of a couple of years ago. And here we are today. Well, you know, it's interesting, you know, 10 years ago, folks wouldn't be allowed to work at home, um, especially in some of the larger organizations where they've got a huge investment in facilities and buildings and equipment, uh, rooms and cubes. And Corona changed all that. And what right. I'm seeing is, you know, there are large employers like Google who think they may never go back to the office. And to me, that's fascinating because we've had a cultural shift as a result of this pandemic. Yeah, with our technology, employers have made it work, right? With creating either, you know, using VPN or um, moving their software over so that remote workers can do the exact same job as they did at headquarters now at their home. Yeah, I think we've had to, right? We we still have to be able to generate an invoice. We have to be able to bill the customer. We have to recognize revenue. And we can't do that in, unless we adapt. And the challenge is most companies weren't prepared. And, and much to your point earlier, um, they hadn't spent the time in preparing for something like this. And here's my dog. She decided she wanted to make a cameo in, in the... Um, oh, Wrigley, no, I'm busy. <laughs> Hi, Wrigley. She wanted a she wanted a cameo. I don't know if you can see her head there. Um, oh, she, what a cutie! She decided she wanted to be a part of uh, our our podcast today. In her case, it's a pupcast. <laughs> but I'm bump. Ding. <laughs> um, but you know, to your point, we weren't ready. Um, mm. If anyone says they were ready, they either have five employees or or they're lying. Right, because with five employees, you probably didn't have much facilities anyway. But if you've got fifty people, probably or more, you struggled with how do I get them access in a secure fashion to the data they need to generate that invoice, to you know do whatever it is that I need them to do, make a sale, recognize revenue, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so we struggled. I mean, it was a struggle all across. You're seeing a huge adoption of uh, the, what they call SASE, S-A-S-E, uh, which is really remote access, secure remote access to data. You're seeing mm-hmm. 
this ZTR, ZTNA, Zero Trust Remote Network kind of approach or network access, depending on which acronym you look at. Um, a lot of adoption of those technologies because existing VPNs just didn't give us enough capability. Yeah, t- tell me a little more about zero adding that zero trust to remote access. What does that look like? Yeah, so zero trust is is a model that was developed if maybe within 10 years that really focused on limiting access, uh, assume that folks should have zero access, right? At the end of the day, I'm going to make an assumption that everybody in my company has zero access, and then I'm explicitly giving them access to devices, to applications, to assets on the network. Um, it's a tough thing to do in a large corporate environment because in most cases, folks don't even know what apps they should be running. Um, if, if you think about an organization that's got a thousand people, there's no way for you to have a really good inventory of who, who should access what, when they should access it, how they should access it. And then a lot of times, you know, those people leave and, and you just copy their profile to a new employee because they're going to have the same job, but they may not need the same access. And so zero trust is an idea that says, I'm going to, I'm going to give you nothing. Uh, and, and I think this is what we're seeing across the board in cybersecurity. I'm going to give you zero access. And at time, I'm going to start to give you access to things you need to do your job. Remote Only access, things that you need. That's right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Explicit access. And the challenge is remote access throws a wrench in that because traditional VPNs say, I'm going to let Susanna in the network, but I'm going to give her access to everything on the network because they don't have the functionality built in to limit or give you zero trust, extend that model out to remote access. This is where you saw the rise in zero trust remote network companies building tools that will give you not only application access, so when, when you log in, Suzanne, all you get is HRSS or your marketing website or mm. financial data. You, even if it's on the same server, I'm going to limit you to just the piece that you have to have to do your job. And this idea of zero trust fundamentally has, is a shift from the way we used to do business, right? And more importantly, this is how we're going to keep bad actors from using credentials, right? So imagine you've got a CFO and IT reports to them. So they think they should have admin rights. And, and I know it sounds crazy. It happens all the time. CFOs have access to stuff most people don't get to see. So I get his or her account and now I get access to everything. And the truth is they probably don't need it. Right. Zero trust is a model that says, I'm going to take that away, just give them what they need, hmm. let them have remote access, local access, whatever. But again, limit the applications, this, the assets, and the port numbers they can actually talk to on a network. I know it sounds like a, a pretty big endeavor, and it's not trivial. If it were easy, we would have done it early on in this evolution of remote access, but we didn't. Yeah, and that really limits or decreases the number of threat vectors or, or business entry points, right? Um, when you're able to, you know, when you're able to restrict where and which websites they go on. Well, and I think it's, yeah, so Zero Trust is giving you access 
explicitly to an asset. It doesn't care if it's on a website externally or an internal asset, um, but being able to control and log um, and protect others from getting to that asset is really what we're talking about. Yeah, because really data is ultimately what the bad guys want. So they, they do can sell it. That's right. So, if, you know, the best way to describe it is if, uh, you know, you think, let's say you got a, a big warehouse and you need to get access to pool chemicals. That's it. And so you walk in the warehouse and it's Home Depot. And over here, you've got tools and over here, you've got saws and over here, you've got siding and lumber. And without something that says, all I can do is go get pool chemicals, I may buy everything. Hmm. Zero Trust says, when I walk in the door, I can't see everything else. I can't see the pool. I I mean, I I can see the pool chemicals because that's what I'm there to buy, but I can't see the rest of the store. And that's the idea of Zero Trust. Why is it important? David, to couple that though with some just awareness training, because ultimately it's us, the user, right? Who's clicking away, or I mean, even using um, a cell phone that's connected to, um, you know, your work Outlook. Sure. Uh, you're get you get an email or a text message, and you're like, wow, you know, if you don't have the the training or the knowledge to to recognize, hey, right. that's a phishing scam. I mean, that's another way for the bad guys to get in. Completely, right? So um, email is still one of the number one vectors in terms of getting compromising accounts, right? People uh, don't use two-factor. They don't uh, do geolocation restrictions of people who log in, right? There's an amazing amount of people who can log into an Office 365 instance from a, another country. Mm-hmm. And you don't do business there. So best practice says, I'm, I'm going to put some geo restriction on that, right? That just makes sense. But a lot of people don't do that because it takes a little more work or they don't know how. But if you think about it a step further, our employees, our associates want to do the right thing. And sometimes the right thing appears to be the right thing, but it's not. It's somebody tricking them. Mm-hmm. And if you think about this pandemic, you've seen a rise in emails about COVID testing or COVID vaccines or, you know, a step further, COVID relief, right? Right. And so people are registering as Susanna and and signing up to get your relief check or my relief check or, and it's because they've tricked you potentially, or they've tricked someone else into thinking they are you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you clicked on something because you thought, well, you know, maybe I want to see if I can go get a COVID test. And the truth is you can't yet, right? Or whatever the case may be. The bad guys are- using COVID as a bait. Yeah, they're, the bad guys are using whatever they can, right? Whether it's a stimulus check, whether it's your uh, annual tax return, whether it's COVID to get you to do something. And in getting you to do something, you inadvertently expose your company, expose your data, expose your own identity to bad mm-hmm. guys. Interesting that you say that. Um, a statistic that I read recently from CyberTalk reported that over 4,000 coronavirus-related domains are registered globally, and that 50% of those coronavirus domains are more likely than other domains to be malicious, which is a very high number. That is That's a, high a huge statistic. number. Yeah. My, you know, and the truth is, my guess is probably higher. 
right? Um, and so awareness, to back to, to wrap up your question, awareness is key because, again, our people want to do the right thing. But if we don't educate them on what the right thing looks like or, more importantly, what the wrong thing looks like, they're going to click on that link. So as we've dis- dispersed our workforces, sent them home, they're working from Starbucks or wherever they're at. If we're not training them, they're doing things inadvertently they shouldn't. Um, so awareness is huge. You, you've got to get in front of them, you know, maybe not weekly, but maybe twice a month, maybe once a month. But you've got to have a program where you're putting content, fresh content, right? Not mm-hmm. content that we built 10 years ago, but stuff that's current that they can relate to. You know, maybe it's a story about coronaviruses mm-hmm. and, and not clicking on links, but educate them, right? Test them, hold them accountable, make them understand that they are a link in the protection of the data. And if that link breaks, someone's going to get to the data. Yeah, very valid. You know, we joked about this at the start of, of today's episode that we hope coronavirus will go away sooner than later. But we do know the reality is life has changed and there's a new normalcy um, in our forefront, right? It's It'll never be what it used to be pre-COVID, um, at least in the workplace. Right. So it's just so important that we, we address the awareness and the zero trust that there are cybersecurity tools and even security awareness training because this is not a 2020 problem as we are well into 2021. That's right. And new variants of the virus. That's right. And just what can you share kind of as we wrap things up, Dave, um, to remind business leaders and, you know, decision makers of companies what their plan of action should be? Because as I said, this is not going away. This is this right. is our new normal. So. You know, I think number one is is remember that your people who aren't you don't see every day that you don't talk to every day are still working and need to hear from you, even if it's as simple as, "Hey, we've we're good, right? I hope everybody's okay." You know, reach out, but don't forget the people aspect. I can talk technology all day, but it's those people that um, when they're not assured that something bad could happen. They, they get nervous, right? When, when we got all this uncertainty in our country and across the globe, you know, a, a little, hey, how you doing goes a long ways. So I know it's not uh, a cybersecurity simplified conversation at the mm-hmm. moment, but it, it's about people, right? So focus on the people too, is educate them, right? Continue to get the security message in front of them. Talk to them about the impact that they could have and, and the impact that, fishing has had on other companies right get that awareness up in front the you know just just talk to them communicate and and i think finally um talk to your it folks your security folks and figure out what tools you have to limit access right um minimizing access for folks is half of the battle because if if we can teach them the right things to do we can limit the access that they have when they do something inadvertently that, that puts you at risk, you've taken away most of that risk because they can't get to the data. So look for ways to do multi-factor authentication, to do um, 
you know, some version of zero trust, limit their access, uh, log it so that you've got some uh, ability to figure out what happened when it happened, what the exposure was. Um, but did, you know, then I think the last piece is, uh, you know, just again, communicate with your tech teams, figure out what they need from you and then go deliver that, give them the tools they need to protect the data, to protect the employees and ultimately protect the company. Always great advice from you, David, our chief technology officer. If you have feedback about today's podcast or questions for David or myself, please leave a comment or wait, reach wait. out to Overwatch. Outside of the colors and the dog, that, that feedback we don't need. <laughs> that was me being funny, Susanna. <laughs> you could look, folks, you could send whatever feedback you have. We'll we'll enjoy it. <laughs> All right, yeah. Any ideas even that you have for our, for our podcast, we would love to hear from you. Be sure to join us for our next episode, Uncovering the Solar Winds Cyber Attack. Now, that's not funny. We're going to delve into the origin, the hack, and the ramifications. This was an incredible cyber attack that people are, are guessing is the worst of the century, right? The worst we've ever had it. Am I right, David? It's it it is a big one, and I think we're we still haven't uncovered every impact that it's going to have on our on our computing. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be an interesting one. Well, make sure you tune in. Until next time, I'm Susanna Song, and I'm Dave Barton, and this is Cybersecurity Simplified. From all of us here at Overwatch by Highwire Networks, thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time on the Cybersecurity Simplified podcast. To learn more, visit us at highwirenetworks.com slash podcast.